Researchers tell us that these four things prevent us for reaching our New Year's resolution, all right? So here's the one. Number one, not having a clear plan. That's the number one reason we don't reach our New Year's resolution. We don't have a clear plan. Number two, we get overwhelmed. In other words, we start this plan, but we get overwhelmed with life. We get overwhelmed with situations. But number three is then we get discouraged. So, so we don't have a clear plan. We get overwhelmed. We get discouraged. And then really the last one is we don't really want to change that bad, right? Does that sound familiar? Sure it does. And so those are the reasons we don't change. But here's what I want to do with you today. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you four spiritual goals to choose from. But I'm not just going to help you understand, hey, you need a clear plan. But I'm going to also help you understand how do you kind of tackle the resistance that comes once you set that good spiritual plan. And we're going to do that by talking about a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And Nehemiah is a really interesting person. Uh, A book is named after him. It tells the story of God and God's people and how instrumental Nehemiah is in their lives. You see, God's people were doing well with God for a while, but they started to drift from God. Once they started to drift from God, they started to put other kind of false gods in God's place. They ultimately uh, get conquered, and so a lot of them are brought into slavery. And so Nehemiah is a slave in the Persian Empire uh, to a king named Xerxes, but he rises up and he becomes a cupbearer to the king. Now, what is a cupbearer? We don't have anything like that today. A cupbearer is someone that would test the food and the drink to see if the king was poisoned. What a job. You don't want to make a mistake, right? Now, you and I go, what, what is that about? Well, in the ancient world and all throughout history, actually, one of the easiest ways to dethrone a king or a queen was to use poison. And so what this king said is, you know what, I'm going to have someone that makes sure my food's prepared properly, my drink's prepared properly, is going to taste it. So, so watch this. This is really important. So one of the king's most trusted people in his entire palace becomes the cupbearer because he's literally putting his life in the hands of the cupbearer. And if the cupbearer is corrupt, if the cupbearer gets paid off, that king will die. So Nehemiah is a very valued and trusted servant of the king. And as a matter of fact, as you continue reading through the book, it's obvious the king not only trusts him but gives great favor to him. And word comes to Nehemiah that in Jerusalem, where he's from, he's a God-fearing Jew, that the walls have been destroyed. Now, you have to understand something. Jerusalem was the city of God in their mind. It was the place where God dwelled. And so this was devastating news to someone like Nehemiah, who was a devout follower of God. So the Bible says he weeps, he's broken over this, and so he goes and he decides to talk to the king, and he, he wants to ask the king for help. So here we go, Nehemiah 2, 4 through 6. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With the prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah 
to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. So he lets them know, listen, here's what's happened to my country. Here's what happens to my ancestors. Please let me go. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to his request. And so Nehemiah comes up with a plan. Nehemiah is going to rebuild the walls around the city of God. Now, why is that a big deal? Because in the ancient world, walls were a symbol of strength. They were also, on the inside, a symbol of community. And there was a number of God's people, just a remnant of God's people in the city, and they were discouraged, and they were down, because here's what happened to God's people. It wasn't just the walls were broken down, the people of God were broken down. And so Nehemiah is going to get some craftsmen, he's going to get the materials, he's going to bring food, he's going to bring organization. In other words, he's going to bring a clear plan to rebuild the walls of God. And so I want to help you with something, and that is I want to give you four options of a spiritual plan for this year. Here's the first option, that maybe it's time you got into a small group, or maybe you be got someone to mentor you, it's okay to need spiritual mentoring. It's okay to say, you know what, I need someone to help me grow in my faith. Or maybe you're at the place where it's time for you to mentor someone. And so that's the first option, that you need some community, you need some people, you're going to get a mentor, be a mentor, get in a small group. Here's the second option. That is that you're going to start studying the Bible. That you know you want to, you know you should, but you just don't get, get to it. Well, there's some phenomenal Bible apps. All you had to do is go through the app, and that's the second option. The third will be this. You're going to start to serve. You are going to finally serve the Lord. And, and you're going to do it with all your heart. And then the fourth is that you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to try to make worship every week that I'm in town. And when I'm out of town, here's the cool thing we're out of town. There's usually churches there. It is an amazing thing in our country, that you're going to say, God, you know what, you're so important, I need to be a worshiper of you. So those are four options that I want to give you. And so, but you, to do that, you got to come up with a clear plan. But when you do, here's the second point, don't be surprised when resistance comes. For example, right, you, you say, God, I am going to get in a small group. I'm going to get a mentor. Listen, I'm going to be a mentor. All you got to do is get the card we give you or go on our website and you got to sign up to do that. In other words, we know this, right? Failing to plan is planning to what? Fail. So, so you got to say, you know, today I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow because then I won't feel God's moving in my life and I'm, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Or you're going to say, you know what? You know, it's time for me to start the Bible. So I'm going to start my Bible app, not on January 1. I'm going to start it today. I'm going to, I'm going to it, listen, if you don't have some, uh, a phone, which would be highly unlikely, but if you don't, that's fine. Just get a New Testament and start in the book of Matthew. Or go on the internet, go to Matthew, read a chapter a day, five minutes a day with God. Because the Bible says, when you get into God's word, God's word gets into you. Now watch this with me. When you get into God's word, God's word gets into you, and then it says it changes your mind. So I get into God's word, God's word gets into me, it changes my mind, and then it starts changing my life. 
So that's how you could do that one. I mean, it's, it's doable, all right? Or, or you say, you know, what? I, I, you know what, I need to start serving. Listen, just, just tell John, just go to the website here. Just say, I want to serve. Put it on your prayer card. I want to serve. And, and John will link you up to some service. Uh, or, and the whole worship thing, here's what I say. God, I want to attend worship every week this year. You got to tell somebody to hold you accountable to that. You, you got to do it. Because here's what I've learned. Here's what I know. We're going to all start the new year in just a few days with good intentions. You are. We're just going to have good intentions. I totally believe you're like me and we start with good intentions, don't we? I'm going to do this. I'm going to be different. I'm going to start this. But it takes more than good intention. Here's what I really believe. One small action step is greater than a thousand good intentions. And here's why an action step is more important than an intention. Because resistance is going to come. There's going to be things, right? This resistance is, first of all, i got to have a clear plan. But then I'm going to get overwhelmed. And then I'm going to get discouraged. And then I'm going to say, I I didn't really want to change anyway. Right? That's the statistics. Resistance is going to come. And guess what? Resistance comes to Nehemiah. It comes to Nehemiah. There's some people that have taken over the city of God. Remember, God's people are basically gone. There's only a remnant left. And some warlords, we would call them some gang leaders today, they do not want this wall to be rebuilt because they control the city, they control the power, they control the money. So they are going to resist Nehemiah and his goal, his clear plan to rebuild the walls. Now watch this. Nehemiah 6, 1 through 3. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I'd finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So the city of God had these massive gates where people would enter and they would be able to close them in case enemies wanted to come in. So, so don't just think of a little gate. These are gates you see in movies and that were, where horses can come in and soldiers can come in. So they need fortified gates in the city. So these warlords find out that this is happening and they want none of it. They want none of it. And so they start a gossip campaign. They start mocking the workers. They try to move to discouragement. Isn't that interesting? They, they literally tried to discourage them. Oh, you can't get it done. Oh, it's not going to work. All oh, these feeble efforts. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough workers. This is never going to happen. So first, they start with discouragement. Then they move to threats. We're going to kill you. And so they bring some of their gang. And so the workers literally have to build with one hand and have a sword in another hand. Or you're on the working shift and you're on the protecting shift and they would rotate. Let me help you understand something. Whenever you get serious with God, the enemy of God, devil, Satan, gets serious with you. Let me say that again. Whenever you get serious with God... The enemy of God, the adversary of God, the devil, Satan himself, gets serious with you. Because he doesn't want 
God to work in your life. He's trying to build his kingdom while God's building his kingdom. That's why the Bible calls him the adversary. The Bible calls him the enemy. That's why the Bible says he is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That someone is you and me. My wife and I did a mission trip with our kids in Africa, and we got to go on a safari at the end. And we were on this, this safari, and we just started leaving the camp, and the trailer behind us, the wheel fell off. And I was going to get out and help them, but one of the guides says, do not get out of the truck, because animals can be in hiding. So I had my wife get out, and... Um, <laughs> Because she's really good with that stuff. And I stayed safe. Think of this description. It says, the enemy comes to kill, to maim, and destroy. Do you understand the viciousness of that language? He wants to kill your faith. He wants to maim your faith. He wants to destroy your faith. He's like a roaring lion that wants to tear the work of God apart in your life. Sanballat and his friends want Nehemiah to come down from the great work on the wall and stop the great work of God. They use gossip, they use threats, they use intimidation. Here's another thing I think. What excuses have you used in your life as to why God can't use you? Here's the number one I've heard. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to go to worship. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy. So I developed a little saying in my life. Whenever I'm too busy for God and the things of God, I'm too busy. See, don't settle for lesser things in your life. If you're too busy for God and the things of God, you're too busy. You need to reorient it. But, so that's one excuse, I'm too busy. The other one is amazing to me. It's, well, the weather's the problem. Here's what we know. I'll tell you a little secret all pastors know. When the weather's really good or the weather's moderately bad, attendance goes down. Are you kidding me? Now think about this, parent. When the weather's really good, do you say to your kid, you don't have to go to school today, the weather's really good. Or, or when the weather's moderately bad, you don't say to your kid, well, you know, I'm not taking you to the bus today, it's moderately bad, and I'm not going to go to work. We don't do that. Why in the world do we do that with the Lord Almighty? So that's another excuse Here's one, I'm too tired. I, I'm gonna tell you about my wife and I. We're, she's here so I can say this. My wife like, told me this morning, she gets up between five and six every morning. My question is why, right? So she's a Pop-Tart, she pops up. Honestly, she pops up and she's talking. She pops up talking. I am not a Pop-Tart, I'm a muffin. I rise slowly, okay? And it was this morning, she popped up. I'm getting ready, and she's talking. There's nothing coming out of this mouth. 
Okay, but around nine o'clock at night, she starts to fade. Around nine o'clock at night, I start getting going. Okay, so people say to me, well, I, I can't study my Bible in the morning because, you know, I'm a night person. Fine, study the Bible at night. Or, or if you commute, uh, there is, uh, if you're commuting to work, there's phenomenal things now. You can just put it on your iPhone and you can listen to scripture on your way to work. If you're a morning person, enjoy God in the morning. But we got to stop this stuff like, I'm too tired? Aren't you glad God's not too tired for you? He's never too tired for you. You can talk to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. But, but here's another one I wrote down. I'll get to it. I've said this to my wife like a thousand times. I'll get to it. She knows what that means. I probably won't get to it. Yeah, I'm going to serve one day. Let me tell you about serving. There's some things in this life we will do that we won't do in heaven. Like you will never get a chance after you die to share your faith anymore. So take advantage of it now. But there are some things we'll do in this life that we will do in heaven. One of the things we will do forever in heaven is serve the Lord. Now it's going to be a joyous serving. It's going to be a wondrous serving. But if you've never served the Lord down here, why would you serve the Lord up there? I mean, this is preparation for serving. And people say, but, it, but it's hard. All of these things you're saying are hard. Really? You little wussy weasel? That's not my notes. The Lord just maybe gave it to me or probably not. Listen to Proverbs 24. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Those too lazy to read God's word when they have a chance will not have it available when they need it. Because resistance is coming. When, when you become a follower of God, some of you had resistance from your family. Resistance is sometimes from the outside. Sometimes it's from our friends. When you stand up for God and you work for God, don't be surprised that sometimes resistance comes. So Sanballat and Geshem sent out a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ano, but I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. So here's what they're saying. Nehemiah, come down from the wall so we can talk about this. Nehemiah is too smart for that. He realized the reason they want to get him off what God's doing in his heart on for God's kingdom, they want to stop it and they want to get him off the wall so they can kill him. So they can stop the work God's doing in him and the work he's doing for God. And so, and I absolutely love this. All right, watch what he says. He said, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come down. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I love this. I'm going to keep saying it for the rest of the message. I'm engaged in a great work, right, so I can't come down. I'm engaged in this great work for God, and I'm not stopping. I'm going to read my Bible this year, and when discouragement and tiredness and resistance comes, I'm not going to stop. 
I know I'm afraid of finding a mentor, but I'm going to get a mentor this year because I know God's going to grow me with the mentor. I'm going to do a small group. And sometimes men are afraid of a small group. Let Men, let me make you a promise. You won't die in the small group. Well, what if we talk about stuff? We don't need your life story. We don't need your most embarrassing moments. Okay, we just want you to grow in your walk with God. That's it. We want to be there when there's a need. We want to be able to pray for you when you have this desire. He says, I'm not coming down. I'm doing a great work for God. Why should I stop working, come down, and meet with you? In other words, you want to keep me from the thing God's doing in my life, in our lives, through our lives, for God's kingdom and his people. See, when resistance comes, go back to the plan. I call this the ripple effect. Resistance is going to come, so I'm going to go back to the plan and say, no, God, I made this commitment to you. You're going to help me follow through with it. You know, it's a ripple effect. You know, when my boys were little, my daughter was little, we'd go to the lake sometimes in the summer, and I would get them really close to the lake, and I'd pick up the biggest boulder I could and throw it by the lake, right? Right by me, it'd splash all over them. They'd laugh. They thought it was fun until it wasn't fun. But here's what I learned. The bigger the rock, the greater the ripple. So I want you to do an honest assessment of your life. What is the ripple effect of your walk with God right now? Is it a pebble? Well, most people don't even know I love God. Well, I don't really do much with God. Is it a small rock? I'm growing, I'm starting, and my family's starting to notice, or my roommates are starting to notice, or my friends are starting to notice, or is it a boulder? And wow, people have seen a change in my life. They want to know what's going on in my life, and I have this chance to tell them about Jesus. I get a chance to help them pursue God. What is your ripple effect right now? Be honest, but say a year from now, God, through your working in me, through you changing me, because I've committed myself to work to you that I'm not going to come down from, God, I'm going to ask you to increase that ripple effect. And guess what? God wants to do that. That's what he wants to do. Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. I'm doing a great work for God, so I can't come down. You this year say, I'm doing a great work for God, and I'm not quitting. I'm doing a great work for God, and I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm doing a great for, work for God, and I'm not going to get apathetic. I'm not doing it. Now, I want to talk to some of you in a unique way. It says, John 6, 29, Jesus told them this is the only work God wants from you, believe in the one he has sent. See, some of you might not be God followers yet. Some of you maybe came to a Christmas Eve service. You're kind of, you're searching. You're investigating. You might even be uh, a skeptic, and that's okay. We love skeptics at Alpine. We really do. We're going to treat you with respect and dignity. But, but here's the step you could take. This is what God wants from you. Believe in Jesus, who he sent. Start there. Start today. Start right now. Have a Jesus-driven life 
not a self-driven life. You know, we're taught in our culture to have this self-driven life. It is the biggest mistake in the world. God's all-knowing. We're not. God's all-powerful. We're not. God knows the end from the beginning. We don't. The best plan for your life is his plan for your life. Trust this Jesus, who was born in a manger, didn't stay there though, grew up, was crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin and our selfishness and all of our regrets and all of our shame. But this Jesus says, if you will believe in me that I did that work for you to make you right with God, some cool things happen. He says, I'm going to make you a new spiritual person. I'm going to give you a more meaningful life, John 10, 10. And then I'm going to give you eternal life, John 3, 16. So maybe your work today is to believe in this Jesus with all of your heart. Now the rest of us who know Jesus, this is a time for decision. Which one of these four, do not wait for tomorrow, I'll get to it, I've already told you, will not work, is God calling you right now to say, all right, this is the year I'm going to find a mentor or I'm going to get in a small group. Or is God saying to you, this is the year that you're going to really grow in the Word of God, so you're going to get a Bible app, you're going to put it on your iPod or whatever you need to do on your way to work, that I'm going to be a person of God's Word. And I'm going to give God a chance to transform my life like he promises. Or is this year you say, I'm finally going to quit talking about serving and I'm going to serve somewhere. Is this the year you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to be a committed worshiper. I'm going to try to make church every single weekend. Now I'm going to end with this. If you're a parent and you have little kids... I want you to go into them tonight because you're not just doing this for you. You're doing it for them. And I want you to put your hand on them and I want you to pray for them when they're sleeping tonight and I want you to say, God, I'm going to do a good work with you this year and I'm not going to come down because these little ones are important to me. If you got a teenager, they're going to be up way later than you. Set your alarm and wake up. Then go into them and say, God, these are tough years, they're strong years, they're a little challenging, but God, I'm going to do a good work for you so they see me model how important you are and how valuable you are in my life. If you're a man, I want you to take a picture of your wife and your kids, and I want you to look at that picture, and I want you to say, God... If I'm a follower of you in one of these four areas, it's going to make a ripple effect in their lives, in my wife's life, in my kids' life. And wives, I want you to take a picture of your husband, and I know you're going to say he's a knucklehead because he is, but I want you to say, God, I'm going to do a work with you this year, and I'm going to love him well. And I'm going to love him better. And then the husband's going to say, I'm going to love her well. And I'm going to love her better. And we're going to love our kids well. And we're going to love them better. And we're going to do that partially by loving God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Jesus says, and his righteousness. And all the other stuff will be done unto you. In other words, get your priorities right. God first in all things. 
So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to challenge you to pick one of those things today, and then I want you to tell somebody what you decided. And then, today, I want you to start doing something about it. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that you're so active in your love for us. You're not a passive God. Your word tells us your love never fails. Your word tells us we're to understand how high your love is and how deep it is and how wide it is. So God, first of all, I just want to thank you that you love us and you never stop loving us even though we mess up, even though we blow it. So God, thank you that your love's deeper than our sin. Thank you that your forgiveness is greater than our worst mistakes. But God, also, I pray that we would be a bunch of Nehemiahs. I pray that we would pick one of these areas. And I pray with your help, your encouragement, and with our conviction that today we would decide how we can be different in 2020. God, help us with this. When we meet resistance, when we get discouraged, remind us we're not alone, that Nehemiah went through it as well. But you'll be faithful, God. And then, God, I thank you that you promise that the work you started in us, you will bring to completion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.